Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Horn with Lawn and Landscape Magazine. Uh, joining me today is Andrew Brady, Vice President of Government Affairs at the National Association of Landscape Professionals. Andrew, uh, thanks for joining me today. Ah, great to be back with you, Brian. Yeah, I don't want to focus. We had talked last month, and I don't want to focus too much on what we talked about last time. And I guess uh, now is a sort of downtime, slow time for the legislative arm. Um, but what is going on uh, right now in the in the legislative world that pertains to the green industry? Sure, sure. Well, I know we talked to HGB last time, but but there is some actually really um, exciting, I think, news that we could say uh, on an HGB front. And it was just very recently. Um, I'm going to say, what is it, two weeks ago? Sorry, I, it was technically October. Sorry, I'm forgetting the date. But about two weeks ago, uh, the Department of Homeland Security announced that they're going to release 64,716 supplemental visas for the entire FY23 year, okay? And that is important for a few main reasons, and I'll try to unpack this all so everybody understands. So first of all, remember, we're working on the government's physical year, so we're technically in FY23 already for the government, okay? And the H2B visa program operates in two caps, two halves. First half is October 1 to March 30th, second April to uh, to the end of September. And obviously, we use the, the April, the second half more, but we do have some in the first half cap. This announcement makes it so they can release visas in both caps, right? And they can do it in a much more timely fashion. If everybody recalls last year when we got 55,000 visas, that was awesome, right? But they didn't really come up with the rule until June. And then visa work, uh, people accessing the supplement visas didn't get their workers until 4th of July, okay? The idea of this announcement coming now means that they're going to start writing the rule right now. We should see the rule sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we should be locked and loaded to get significantly more visas than we've ever gotten for the second half cap. So that means for anybody listening, if you're in group F on January 5th, when you find out your lottery number, there's going to be a much uh, stronger chance that you have uh, the ability to get uh, your workers and in a timely fashion. So that's, that's one, the timely thing. The other point, Brian, that's really important to note is that 64,716 is the maximum number that's allowed to be given the way that the appropriations rider has been written in each, each of the previous few years. So that means that this administration has heard you, has heard us. We've been getting 15,000, 30,000. We got, you know, 50,000 last year. We are getting the maximum out. It means they, if people finally understand that this is an antiquated cap and it needs to be fixed. So I just hope everybody is optimistic that we're, well, first of all, everybody should be happy. And everyone should also be optimistic that we're moving the ball forward and we're hopeful to get something more permanent in the not so distant future. Maybe in the December podcast, I'll be able to share more about that. Brian, wink, wink. But for now, I think we should celebrate this win. Um, how, you said group, like uh, how many groups are there? Uh, I, I, I think the first year they did the lottery, it stopped at F. I'm pretty sure last year there was a group G. Okay. And it's all based on how many petitions. That, it, it just keeps growing. And our understanding, there's between twenty five and 30,000 in each group. So on a scale of one to 10, one being absolutely terrible, 10 being perfection, where would this fall in your eyes? I think that this, with this announcement to me is a seven. Okay. And, and the way I would, the way I would handicap it is last year, going into this part time of year, not knowing anything, not knowing if you're going to get supplemental visas or not, right? Because we didn't know until close, you know, sometime next winter, we knew you stood about a 20 to 25% chance of getting your workers based on just historical data. This number makes it so going into January, you stand more like a 70% chance to hopefully get your workers. Oh, okay. Now, we don't know that because we can't exactly forecast how many people are going to apply for visas. 
But that jump in statistical probabilities, I think, is a significant win for the industry. Why do you think it is? Obviously, you can take credit yourself. I'm sure you're working with a lot of people. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of groups. I'm sure there are landscapers who are going to local officials and fighting. Was it more of a, a passionate plea this time? I think it's a culmination of a few things, right? I think first, um, regardless of your politics, I think people should understand the Biden administration is actually fairly sympathetic to this program, not only because they understand they have tremendous strains on them from being from being perceived as not being concerned with the economy or not handling the economy well. This is obviously something that is beneficial for the economy. But secondly, they view it as a nation building issue. And that's why they've, they've carved out, you know, some of these these supplemental visas can only come from the Northern Triangle countries, which are Honda. Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And so I think that's part of it, right? And you've got these other things. We have a shifting labor market. We've known this for five to seven years, right? Maybe even 10 years. But now there's really, it's in the, I think, public conscious. You know, people go to beach towns in the summer and see that they can't go to restaurants on Tuesdays because there's not enough work. So I think everybody understands these seasonal sort of jobs are not going to high schoolers. They're not even going to college students. And they're really not going to as many domestic workers as we would like. And so... Those are the factors that we kind of can't control. The things that we can control, such as being organized, being staying on the same message and being active engaged, which I can't take credit for. I have to give all the credit to the members of the industry that have been been baiting on doors and sending emails and coming to D.C. for flying. That's really what has pushed it. But I think we need to acknowledge there's some stuff at play that is playing in our favor right now because of economic factors and the current administration. Okay. Um, so moving on, um, I will be happy when elections are over. I don't have to see another Tim Ryan or J.D. Vance ad here in Ohio. It's nonstop over and over again. Um, what should our industry know about are there big state elections that you're keeping an eye on? Are there federal elections? What should uh, we be paying attention to? Yeah, well, we're paying attention to all of the above, but I'm with you. I think I'm not sure when this will air, but last night was when there was the Pennsylvania Fetterman versus Dr. Oz and I usually have CNN or MSNBC or Fox. I switch between them all. They're all covering it like it was a presidential debate. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm ready for it to be over. But um, and you love this I, stuff, so you must be bad. I do. I, no, I It's fine. I, actually, I really I geek out as we get close to the election, and we'll obviously be writing some reports and analysis. So here's a couple of things I'd tell everyone. If if you're if you're concerned about H2B, I don't think it matters as much who gets control of anything because we have proponents and opponents on both sides of the aisle. I tend to think a Republican House is going to be slightly more sympathetic, but the Democratic controlled House is trying to work to find a permanent solution. Right. Um, a Republican controlled Senate has plenty of bogeys as well. The last time we had Republican control, the Senate, the House and the White House was back in 2018. And we still couldn't get a deal done. And we had single party control. So. I say that, well, now I'll handicap a little bit, but I'll say from an HGV perspective, it doesn't matter as much. For a farm bill cycle, which we're about to go into, where we want to do some stuff on climate change and pesticides and fertilizer and, and a lot of that stuff, Republican control is definitely beneficial because it's a more ag-sympathetic messaging and it's easier to do some of that stuff. Still, though, in a closely divided Senate, which we will definitely be, and I'll get to that in a second, it, it's not going to make as much a difference as people think. Um, but votes do matter. I just want to... I don't want people to have expectations. Oh, my God, if Republicans take everything, we're, we're going to have everything we want, because that's just not how it really works. And the Senate works as, as kind of a fail safe. Um, at the state level, there's, that's definitely some concerns. Um, we always worry when um, there are what we call trifectas, when it means one party controls the governor's mansion and then both chambers of the legislature. And there's several of those up for grab this cycle, um, a lot in kind of the Midwest, Great Lakes and Northeast regions. 
Um, and that's where we've seen growing attacks on gas, uh, gas equipment, on pesticides and on other business friendly policies. And so, you know, that can concern us a little bit. But at the same time, you know, um, we, we, we can see Republican controlled trifectas that have caused some problems on other deregulation issues. So I don't want to make it hyper partisan. And that's not what my job is. My job is to understand how to work with both parties. Uh, and that's what we do do. But I will say if I was to handicap it, Brian, I, I, I have done some slides on this for some presentations recently. So I'm just looking at it, but everyone should remember that historically the party that is in control of the White House loses approximately 26 seats in the House. Okay. And so right now the Democrats only have a majority by about nine. And so I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Um, that the Republicans are going to retake the House. Earlier this summer, after the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned, there was a lot of momentum and the polls tightened. But as we get close to the election, I think it's all going to be about the economy. It's the economy, stupid. We hear it all the time. And those polls are starting to, to, to I think the Republicans are starting to pull away in your generic poll. And it's all based on inflation and economics. Um, and, and there's, a, I think, that energy's back that wasn't there. So I think Republicans take the House pretty easily. I think the Senate... Brian, I have no idea. And I'm a gambling man. <laughs> I, I thought some of the races in Arizona, Pennsylvania, even Ohio, like what you're saying, your state, Georgia, we're all starting to trend very heavy dim. Um, but I, I, it is their toss ups at this point. So and, and the Republicans really just need to hold on to their seats and gain one. And uh, but they, they kind of have a they're defend they're on defense, I think, a little more in some states that they didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read an article this morning that they pulled all of their money out of New Hampshire and they're throwing it into Pennsylvania. So that means they're going all in. Um, and I think if the Republicans win Pennsylvania, that's very indicative of, of who will control the Senate. And it is, I always find the polling, like, who are they polling for these numbers? Like, where do they pull them from? It, it's, it seems like you're saying it's all guessing. I'm not a pollster. Uh, I never have been. I almost failed statistics in college. Um, <laughs> so I will tell you this. I always tell you there's a five. Nate Silver does a website and there's also mm-hmm. one called Real Real Clear Politics. And that's where they take averages of different polls instead of just looking at one. Right. You can obviously I'm just telling you the way I look at it. If you see a Fox poll, you're going to assume that the people they're polling are traditionally going to be leaning right. If you right. see it. You know, NBC poll the other way. Right. Um, Quinnipiac, I think, is one of the better polls that does a pretty good job. But the way they poll is it's 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 scientifically driven, but it's not a guarantee. And I think people always need to remember they always say when you're within three to five percent, it's in the margin of error, right? And I think we all saw this in 2017, the Trump vote, which is 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 largely still fueling the Republican Party at this point. It's very difficult to identify at times. Uh, and I think there are sometimes there are people that will intentionally lie. And I think it's because yeah, they've been distrusted government and polling. So, look, th- like I said, there are people way smarter than me, way more successful than me that do this and make a lot of money doing it. So I know that they're that they are generally trying to be accurate. But what a poll says today does not indicative of what's going to happen in November. Yeah, because I am very, very uh, elementary when it comes to politics. And I, every time they do these polls, I'm like, well, if someone asks me, I just lie because <laughs> get the people who I want to vote for my candidate to get worried and go out and vote. It, it seems like right. it's productive to the whole yeah. thing. But, hey, like you said, they're smarter than us and they've been doing it for, for decades and, se- and centuries probably. So um, anything else that the uh, landscapers, lawn care operators should know about? No, I mean, I, like I said, we um, put out some information in our weekly email, The Advocate, at the beginning of the month, making sure people knew how to register to vote. And we're going to rerun that article, I think, each of the next two weeks, just with some information on how to find 
your polling place, make sure you register to vote. If you wanted to do an absentee vote, what I always tell people is you can't complain if you don't participate. So whether you want to vote Democrat, want to vote Republican, whether you care about any of the issues I, I brought up, I still think you should vote, right? Because that's part of the democratic process. And I think landscape as, land, as landscape professionals, we need to be part of that process. So I would just encourage everybody to make sure you get out and vote on election day. And you might get a, a little sticker. A, a sticker, maybe hopefully somebody handling handing you ballots and other stickers as you go up that you might not want. But I don't know about you. I always bring my kids. They love going in the little booths and I make them get stickers. It's a whole thing. Um, I actually always enjoy Election Day and I think everyone should, too. But make sure they vote. As a former newspaper reporter, I enjoyed it, but I also hated staying up till two in the morning and calling the loser and having to ask them for a quote. But hey. <laughs> You always got honesty in those places, though. At two in the morning, when you just oh. lost an election, it is brutal. That that it is, man. I I don't envy you for those times, man. No. We got free pizza though, so can't complain. <laughs> All right, Andrew, we'll check in. Uh, I don't, maybe we'll try to do this again in November with Thanksgiving and stuff. Maybe we won't be yeah. able to, but we'll check in in the next two months, especially after the elections, to see where we stand. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be an exciting time. It always is during a midterm. Um, you know, we're going to have some new objectives. We're going to have a farm bill that once we know who has control, we can start talking about obviously H2B and a ton of state issues are going to start cranking around the year. So it'll be a great time to talk. And I hate to scare you, Brian, and all the listeners. If you thought it was bad right now, the presidential election officially starts November 9th. So get ready, man. I was just going to say, when are we going to start seeing Trump and Biden, DeSantis ads and, and everyone November else? November 9th. Oh, all right. Well, I'll be turning my TV off and shutting my uh, computers down and everything. We'll check in uh, hopefully next month and uh, have a good one. Thanks, Brian.